This is On and Off Your Mat podcast, episode 103. Stop outsourcing your spiritual life. Have you ever put a teacher a little too far up on a pedestal? Or given away your power when it comes to your spiritual practice? If so, today's episode is for you, and our guest did just that. She's sharing her story and the lesson she learned on the way. So for today's episode, I sat down with Lopa van der Merch. Lopa is a lifelong health seeker, and she's the founder and CEO of Raza Coffee, which is a coffee alternative made of adaptogenic herbs. She spent years studying esoteric spiritual practices and found herself into two cults. She has a whole slew of health challenges that she's been seeking alternative therapies from and learning from Ayurveda, functional medicine, and shamanism over the last decade. Today we sat down to talk about embracing nuance over dogma and why we shouldn't outsource our spiritual sovereignty. Before we get to our episode, I just want to remind you of a few things. First, our yoga retreat is less than two months away. So if you've been thinking about it, sign up before it's too late. I'll put the link in the show notes. And from there, you can also book a call. If you have any questions or you would just like to have more information about it, I would love to get on a call with you. In parallel, number two, I have launched a GoFundMe campaign. I wanted to offer a couple scholarships for this retreat. I will announce the person who will get the scholarship very soon, so it's your last chance to apply for yourself. We haven't quite raised enough money so far, so this is a call for you, an invitation. I would really encourage you to donate if you can or to share about this GoFundMe campaign if you can't afford to donate so other people can donate thanks to you. Number three, we have a premium membership here on the podcast. So to get access to it, uh, all the premium content, including the video format of this episode and even our 200 plus video class library, you'll find all that at withribbon.com slash you slash Erica Belanger. And of course, I'll put the link in the show notes for that, just like the scholarship and the yoga retreat. Now, I loved so much reading your takeaways on the favorite episodes during the 100th episode giveaway that I wanted to start this new thing with you. And we started last episode. So when you listen to any episode on the podcast, I would love for you to take a screenshot on your phone and add a takeaway, something you learned, something you remember from this episode, something that struck a chord, and then share it on either an IG story or on the post, making sure to tag at on and off your mat podcast so I can see it. And of course, I will reshare it. And the idea is that as I reshare it, everybody can see everybody else's takeaway. So we can read and we can go deeper together in the content of each episode. We can learn from each other and grow as a community. So that's my idea. I'm really excited about this. All right, let's get to our episode of today with Lopa. Hi, Lopa. Hey, Erica. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today. For people that don't know you um, very well, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your spiritual journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am the, people, most people know me as the founder and CEO of Rasa. We do herbal coffee alternatives to help people insource their energy fundamentally, um, mm -hmm. start, start from an internal source and, and build and work within that. Um, I'm a mother of two kids, uh, and a very long time spiritual seeker, um, since I was 
16 and like first heard the word enlightenment and first got my books on first books on Taoism. I was like, yes, this is, this is what I'm here for. Um, and that path has taken me in a lot of different directions, including one um, sincerely abusive environment and, and dynamic that ended up, you know, alchemizing shit into gold. Um, side note, can I swear? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay, cool. Sorry. <laughs> I, I like naturally swear, but I can sort of mentally turn it off, but I forget to ask sometimes. Um, uh, yeah, the amount of stress that I was under at that time was a, a, actually a significant tr- contributor to why I started Rasa. Um, so grateful for the opportunity um, that it provided me on the back end, even though I couldn't have seen that at the time. And can you tell us a little bit more about your spiritual journey? I know you have a particular one. Um, and so just getting us into that subject a little bit as we'll talk a little bit more about that. Sure, sure. Uh, so I started off, you know, I started off practicing yoga. Um, Bikram was sort of my gateway drug. So and <laughs> I don't consider that real yoga at this point, but, um, it was sort of my entry, my entry point. So I'm grateful for it from that perspective and then got into Ashtanga and, um, started going more deeply in that realm and found that I just kept on looking to yoga teachers to provide more intimacy and more personal guidance than they tended to be available for. Mm -hmm. Um, and then met a, uh, who was my guru, the, um, uh, when I was maybe 23, um, which was a complicated context that many people around me actually found traumatic and I didn't. Um, and that was just an interesting reality, but, uh, took initiation in that lineage, um, spent seven years in deep study and practice doing lots of retreats and, uh, learning everything from, you know, Kundalini and Hatha Yoga to Puja and Jyotish, Vedic astrology and um, Kriya and I just many, many different things, thousands of mantras, you know, all of it. <laughs> um, and then left that community for various reasons, um, largely because other people around me found it traumatic. And I was like, what's going on here? What, like, why am I not adding up what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and then found myself in a in a a traumatic context, um, about a year later. Um, so in a, I would consider it a cult. Um, you could call it many different things, but I think it definitely qualifies. Um, there's definitely, it was a woman teacher and a lot of people don't think of women Mm -hmm. as having propensities in that direction. Um, and it's a good thing to remember, like just because somebody is endowed with certain genitals doesn't mean that they're, um, Mm -hmm. uh, avoid avoiding, you know, devoid of, of potential for that kind of thing. Um, and my husband, my now husband and I were in that community for about 18 months. Um, and there were positive things to it as well. And that's, you know, nobody gets into a cult being like, oh yeah, let's go join this cult. Doesn't that sound great? Mm -hmm. There's something that draws Uh, you in. There's something that feeds you. Exactly. Exactly. And so she had some real spiritual wisdom and tremendous amounts of power and energy and, you know, had beautiful experiences with her as well, but also deeply traumatic. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it usually takes a little while to get to that point too. You know, like usually the outer rings, there's, there, it's like an onion. The outer rings are not so, it's those inner rings that make you cry. <laughs> yeah. And you were seeking guidance and you were, you know, stressed in your life. So there was also pieces that kind of created that container for you to go down that path probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the time I was really seeking, um, I was seeking enlightenment, you know, I was seeking the beyond, I was seeking magic and wonder and, you know, what felt to me like the great possibility of, of human potential. And, um, Mm -hmm. uh, and I was, I was open and I was available and she had, she had something, you know, she had like, I had psychedelic experiences, you know, without any kinds of substances at all Mm -hmm. in her presence. Um, and I think that that was an interesting, uh, it was a, like a major lesson for me in regards to that is so often, if we have an experience that doesn't fit with our, uh, sort of normal context of like 3d reality, you know, like it, we often can then project a lot onto the person or the source of where that comes from. Um, and really kind we're of filling up the blank with what we wish was there. Yes. We're explaining what we don't understand in ways that our brain is going to be able to comprehend it. And oftentimes we're explaining it in a way that is not quite the truth, probably. We're just making up what makes sense to us so we, you know, we can comprehend. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so it's easy to kind of latch on to a specific person as like, oh, well, that's the channel. That's how I'm going to experience this aspect of God, this aspect of, of awakening. Um, and it's a good, uh, red flag if that person wants you to do that. Um, and you know, says that you owe that to them in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And, um, in, in her case, it, it was very explicit that like, you know, these experiences are not yours. Like you're, you're getting them from me, from her. Um, and, uh, yeah, I the the teachers that I have since studied with, and I, I after that experience, I left and was like, I I gotta, you know, like either I'm just throwing out spirituality and just being done with it, and like fuck that, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna go and like find others who have something, you know, uh, that can remind me that it's not all abusive, you know, like yeah, there's, absolutely there's gold in, in them there are hills. Um, and, uh, so yeah, the ones that I have found after, you know, since then were very explicit, you know, that like, Hey, if you experience anything in my presence, like that's you, that's yeah. yours, you know, and yours is an interesting, like who, who's you, you know, mm-hmm. like we're all like, we think that we're our ego and it's like, Oh me, Lopa, I had this experience. And then we make it ours and we kind of concretize it and put it on our altar and be like, I had a spiritual experience that one time, two years ago, I was almost enlightened, I swear. And, you know, and so, and then that becomes part of spiritual materialism in and of itself is that we, we try and make it ours. But if you're holding the concept of yours a little bit loosely and a little bit, you know, more broadly than like, I am this, yeah, you know, discrete structure that I know of as a objectified sense of self, um, then yes, those experiences are yours and part of your awakening and part of the divine whispering to you and saying, you know, like trying to wake up this aspect of its own consciousness that mm-hmm. is you. So obviously you still see value in a teacher-student relationship. How can our listeners be clear on 
a positive teacher student relationship、mm. versus a, I'm going to use the word false guru versus like disciple relationship, right? Like you name one of the red flags, but what are the things they can look for either way? Like at green flags, or that that's a teacher that's going to hold a safe container for you versus that's a teacher that maybe down the road there must be something that might not be for your highest interest. Yeah, it's a great question, and there's so many nuances that, like, it's fundamentally you have to cultivate your own discernment. And mine was lacking, you know, I, and I am really clear about that. And I'll say too that I did throw out the baby with the bathwater for a good chunk of years too. It was just like, you know what? Like, maybe I'm just not a spiritual person. Who cares? Like, what is enlightenment anyway? Do I even, you know,、um, the. One of the lenses for this that can be useful, and I, I refer to it as a lens as opposed to like a guideline or a rule, because、um, you it can cut both ways.、Um, but in academia, like in cult academia, they call one of the names for cults is a high demand group.、Um, and so you look at demands on your time, demands on your money, demands on your attention and your devotion, and all、mm, of that. Mm, 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 mm. And I, I say this with the caveat that, like, if you're an incredibly dedicated practitioner and you found something that you really want, you are going to like want to pour your entire. But that's coming、self. from you. That's not an expectation that is pressured onto you. Yes, exactly, exactly. And but and that does get a little bit more nuanced too, though, because you may have a teacher telling you, like, well, if you really want to go the distance, like, you're going to have to dedicate a lot of your freaking time. You're going to have to wake up and practice. You're going to have like, we've got retreats, and that's a way that you can deepen. And all of that could go in the direction of, wow, suddenly there's a lot of demands on my time, you know. And so it's there. You have to have that level of discernment to sort of like understand. Is this teacher really coming to this from the place of I am trying to support and elevate you in what's right for you and what's accessible for you in your life? And can they meet your needs? Like, you know, do like do they do they understand what's actually opening you versus like what's actually crushing you? Because、um, like we could take that like, hey, you could become enlightened if you really dedicate yourself. You, you could take that and crush yourself with the like. I'm going to force myself to do this, and I'm really going to be dedicated and blah blah. Or it could be this like incredibly heart opening,、mm-hmm. like I am surrendering to the path. And so you have to have that discernment, and you also have to see like is is the teacher kind of like egging you along to push you a little bit more in a way that's really generative,、mm-hmm. or is it sort of are they getting something out of it? You know,、yeah. then it comes back to like. And that's and that can be hard to see because, like, also, I mean, in this context, you know, the woman that we were studying with, there was a lot of lip service in multiple different directions, and you know, like, people who tend to be leading cult kind of dynamics, high demand groups, tend to be narcissists, and narcissists are incredibly. Good at manipulating. Like, they're they're just expert, expert level, you know. So、yeah. it can be really hard to know if if that's if if you're in a good place or not.、Um, but I think the there's like some of the red flags that showed up in this other context was like it wasn't okay to study with other teachers, you know. Like、mm. like sure there was like lip service to it, like oh you know it's fine, it's fine. And then as soon as you go, like there's a bunch of shit talking. I can't believe that person's like didn't even they clearly didn't get the transmission. Otherwise they wouldn't even need to go somewhere else. Yeah. So then it, you're being brought down 
because of yes. your choices. Yeah, there's a lot of judgment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so there wasn't really that sense of freedom, you know. Whereas, you know, I studied with another teacher and I was like, you know, I'm kind of looking around right now. And they're like, okay, here's here's a couple of people that I'd recommend. Honestly, there's a bunch of people that I wouldn't, and you know, here's yeah. why. And but like here's here's a list, and you know, this guy's really good, and this woman's really, you know. And so that's a person who's not like like trying to hold your devotion as something that they need. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that's, that's something that you can sort and of they see. Own. You know, that yes. is owed to them. Exactly. That's very different. Yeah. Yeah. And then in that context too, that what they're selling is the only thing that is true and right and possible, right? Like yes. selling quote, um, air yes. quotes here. I think but- that's, that is another really good um, red flag. Are you in a good place? Are you in a not place? Are they just constantly cutting down everybody else because they suck and they have the only way? Um, or are there valid other valid approaches and, you know, thousands of ways to get up the mountain? Mm-hmm. Is that how you would describe just what dogma is in general? Like just yeah. that rigidity of what is truth? Yeah. The rigidity of what is truth and that this, this is the way, and this is the only way. And, and I say, you know, all of this, this, it, it's all very nuanced, you know, and I think like, um, cause that, cause there is absolutely value in tradition and lineage and, you know, like some of these things that, that this is the way perspective has been passed down for thousands of years. And so like, we're not saying like, okay, go ahead and just, you know, riff on, on thousands of years of tradition and all that people have worked to preserve that. And um, I would say most people that I've encountered who are holding a lineage are going to hold that fiercely and also let you be and find your way and how much you align with that tradition. Like if you're a lineage holder, you're going to hold that hard. You know, you're going to be like, yeah. I am here to hold this thing. This is Somebody part of your dharma. Me. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to riff on that. Um, but then students come up and some students might be like, yeah, I want to hold that lineage too. And I'm going to follow it hundred percent. And that's just them. But maybe the difference it. there is that although they're holding the lineage, they're open to it being questioned, like they'll, they'll be willing to discuss, discuss things about it with you. Be like, yes, you know, this is what I believe to be true, but let's talk about it. Let's see if, you know, I think there's a difference there, like being open to being questioned. Yes. And encouraging you to test it in the laboratory of your own experience. You know, like here's what I have tested from my own experience like, did you test it and you got something different? Oh, interesting. Okay. So let's talk about that. What was your experience like and how was it different? Oh, okay. So that aligns a little bit more with this philosophy, you know, those sorts of things. Um, and then I think too, just like letting, letting people be. And I, and I think that I say that with, again, another caveat and a nuance And I'm sorry, this might be really annoying for people listening. Like, can I just have some No, but clarity? that's the way things are. It's not all black and white. It is. It really is. It really is the way things are. Cause like there, there is the perspective too. Like right now, I think in our modern culture, we have so much access to so many different traditions and so much different wisdom and many different types of teachers and all this. And so there is a little bit of, um, there's a teaching story about if you're going to dig a well and you want to get water, you want to dig one hole, a hundred feet deep, not a hundred <laughs> holes, one, one foot yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of people are out there just digging one foot holes and going across. And so there is, value to saying like, okay, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into this tradition. But I think that the the ones that are really holding a lot more wisdom also see that we're all 
pointing at the same freaking mountain, you know, like we're all going in the same direction. You, well, somebody's going to come up from the West. Somebody's going to come up from the North. Um, some people might stop along the way. Cause they're like, wow, I found this perfect tree and this is just my spot, you know, but um, there's really like, it's, it's all valid and we're all here consciousness expressing, expressing, and we're all going to awaken to the point that, you know, we're here to awaken in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, respect for other traditions, um, you know, like, for example, I would say like, I'm, I, I'm a non-dualist. And so like, there are many traditions that actually, you know, like even Christian mysticism, I, like I love Christian mysticism, even though I wouldn't consider myself a Christian at all. You know, there's, there's all these different, it's just a different lens and a different angle towards the same thing. And so mm-hmm. as long as the teacher can celebrate that and and hold that and not be like, oh, well, this is the only way. Um, I think that that's a really important distinction as well. And so as a student, how do we do that idea of not throwing the baby with the bat water, not turning our back completely on spirituality and staying critical, yes, mm-hmm. allowing ourselves to have faith in the things that we can't experience or we haven't experienced that maybe are possible in the future, right? Because you talked about that testing for yourself. And I love that idea. Like what is truth is what you're able to understand, reproduce experience. But there's also this aspect in spirituality of the thing that you haven't yet, or that you don't know of. And that idea of faith is hard (laughs) sometimes to hold with critical thinking at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm in this question myself right now, you know, like I'm, it's, it's very important for me to maintain discernment, um, especially having felt the own, the cutting of my lack of discernment, you know, like myself. Um, and, and when I lost faith and when I lost that vision towards, you know, I'll just keep using the mountain metaphor vision towards the top of the mountain and being like, okay, it's covered by clouds. I can't see it, but I'm pretty sure there's a top of that mountain and I'm going to keep going. Um, uh, and so like having, having both like has been, I'm very much living that question right now. Um, I think the, the, the way in for me, um, has, continue to be resting into my own experience. Um, and it's like, it's, I feel like I'm at this point leaning a little bit more on faith and devotion and surrender, but then keeping that discernment and that critical thinking really close because I'm through my, through my heart, through the surrender, through the devotion and the faith, um, I'm, able to access and sort of be in more direct conversation with the divine, because I feel like my critical thinking, if I turn, and this might be very specific to me, you know, Mm -hmm. I think there might be other people um, listening who, you know, you may, your critical thinking when applied might be an access to the divine. And I think one, one lens for this is um, they talk about the centers of body, speech, and mind, um, body, energy, and mind. And we all have different access points to that. I tend to really access the divine through energy. That's a really easy access point to me. So, but I have used that too much and lacked the critical thinking. And so you have to keep them all and you have to have it grounded in the body as well. So it's like, it's not just one. Um, but for me having that energy center and being a little bit more on the devotional side, a little bit more like, I'm just going to open to, God, whatever, um, in this moment, 
but then also like remembering to turn on that critical thinking for me, when I'm in the critical thinking mode, it's a little bit more like, I'm just, I kind of nitpick, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. like, well, maybe this is a logical fallacy and maybe this is, you know, and I st- sort of get into this framework that mental space. Yeah. Yeah. That's not very opening for me. And, you know, again, there might be people who can read philosophical texts and they like dig into, you know, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. I and- have the same experience. If I go through the mental, then it's like things get blocked. Yeah. Exactly. There's a, there's a blockage, whereas this is opening. So I have to open, but then also be like, okay, is this my real experience? Am I borrowing somebody else's experience? Did I, you know, and like, just ha- have a dialogue between heart and mind. kind of yeah. the whole time. And then asking ourselves questions, like staying, yeah. you know, open to having that conversation with herself and being like, okay, I'm experiencing this. Is this, you know, just continuing to ask and using other techniques that might support you like journaling or but continuing to be open to whatever comes and then also being willing to take a moment to question that for yourself. And also that might just help you understand what you're experiencing too and make it more of your experiential truth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sometimes when we let the mind chew it, it digests it in a different way for us. And then we've integrated it even more into our experience. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Let's say we are staying open to faith. We are also bringing discernment and, you know, critical thinking. How do we stay centered? How do we keep a sense of our own sovereignty in our spirituality if and when we're working with the teacher? Mm. I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record here again, but it comes back to your own experience, Um, and trusting your own experience and resting back in like, okay, did I, is this verified in the laboratory of my life? Is this verified in my own experience? But then also, um, we have to stay open and not rigid around that and not concretize around, well, this was my experience and I'm going to hold on because I had this experience and the teacher said it wasn't the, you know, (laughs) because there sometimes... The teacher's like, yeah, you thought you were in a state of great presence, but actually I saw your mind going all over the place, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have to, sometimes we can harden to feedback that we really need to experience. And so again, it's this, it's this dialogue between your own experience and the feedback that you get. And that feedback also becomes another it's a mirror. It's a reference point, you know, like some, sometimes you're like, okay, I didn't, I didn't want that feedback. Uh, but it actually was, I'm going to sit with it for a while. And it yeah. turns out I really needed to get that feedback. It was on point. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. It was on point. Just hurt my ego. Um, yeah. but sometimes you get feedback. Like I got a lot of feedback from, from the cult context that I was in that were really questioning motives. And, you know, I really looked, I, I like took all those and I was like, all right, like, you know, they said that I did this thing. She said that I did this thing because I'm this kind of person, you know? And I like, was like, is that true? And then eventually I started believing it more and more. And that was where I started losing my center was like, somebody was telling me who I was and I was believing them more, more than, than my own experience. Um, and so I think we, one of the things that um, some of the teachers that I've worked with have talked about is you know, we need to have a strong sense of self um, before really engaging with the spiritual practice. It's like, you have to have something to give up before you can give it up you know, like, like in the sense that we're, we're giving up our ego and, and letting it expand into the, the total totality of consciousness. 
Um, and so if you haven't sort of already cultivated this, like, this is me, I am these things, here's my beautiful stuff, here's my shitty stuff, here's the whole package, it's all pretty okay. Like that is a really strong place to start from spiritual practice, spiritual practice from. And um, I think that I, I think I really like, I had that to a certain extent, but there was a lot of stuff that was kind of like not integrated in my own experience. And that was part of what, and then I tried to do really, really intensive practice. Um, and then through the healing process in after all the trauma and all of that, I think is when I started to, and then, you know, dropping all the spirituality and being like, maybe I'm just like a, you know, normal, you know, scientific materialist kind of person. Um, and, I think the return uh, of the pendulum is normal. You know, when we go one way really far, oh, we kind of need to go back to then find our middle path again. But what I hear is that self-knowledge is really an important tool and then self-trust and not giving trust to someone else's view of the experience, a higher level of importance than earth trust. It doesn't mean we're not open to that idea. We're not open to what they have to say, but we're not putting them on a pedestal to the point where whatever they say has more value than what we feel and what we think. Yeah. It's that balance again of not being rigid within ourselves as well, just like with faith and critical thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that made me appreciate that, you know, so much of this, there's a lot of digestion. There's a lot of, and when I say digestion, like you could look at it as processing, you could look at it, but it's, it's sort of like taking feedback and then testing it against yourself and then looking at how that is in the world. And, and that in today's day and age where we're really spread across so many different things like that, a lot of us don't really have that time. And so I think that's part of also why we skip over the good stuff because we're not actually, we either skip over the good stuff or get into really shitty situations that are traumatic and terrible, um, which forces us in a way to, um, to go into that, the good stuff as well. And to, to build that center and to, you know, do that kind of thing. So um, it's a, just a, yeah, it, the the real the real path is not a, a like a sort of casual thing. Um, like oh, just you know, it's not for the faint of hearts. No, that's time, for sure. You know? What are some steps or some actions that we can take to take charge of our spirituality, even when we're working with a teacher or to kind of reclaim a little bit more sovereignty if we feel like we tend to give away a little too much? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do we make it personal again? Yeah, uh, one of the things that I've been really working with on this is you know. I I had built this idea for years that the needs of my ego were like insignificant. They're to be put down. They're not valid, you know, just blow past them. Right. Um, And one of the things that I've been working with and that's been very empowering for me in this regard is to see that the needs of this self, they come from somewhere. Like, where do they come from? where does everything come from? You know, like they come from the divine. Um, and so actually setting boundaries and holding boundaries around my needs and what's, what's available for me and what's realistic for my life right now. Like I'm a mom with a business, like I'm not going to be able to do certain things and, um, just actually like setting the boundary and setting the line, you know, like where, you know, trying to think of like, you know, just a a standard example, but um, if, if you have tended to overextend yourself and, you know, stay too late, go, you know, overextend yourself financially or time-wise or whatever, go to every retreat and every class and everything, you know, really look into like, where have you, where have you gone too far? And then be like, okay, 
I'm going to take one little step. Like I'm going to just leave right after the yoga class because like, I don't, instead of chatting, like I actually really want to get onto my next thing. There's like little ways that we can set boundaries and create a container for ourselves, which is going to come back to like really cultivating that healthy sense of self so that we have a healthy sense of self to open and to give up to offer up to to the divine so again it comes back to that self-knowledge but now we're adding to our pattern of behaviors and probably our pattern of beliefs the way we think about who we are about the world around us right all those things comes in and then those are going to help us or not set the proper boundaries (laughs) that we need yes Exactly. And I think it can be really helpful to do micro boundaries, you know, like, no, I'm not going to text this person back right now. Cause I don't have the, you know, I don't really feel like I want to, I'm doing it out mm-hmm. of a sense of obligation, you know, like start with little things and then you'll find that that muscle gets stronger and stronger. And then you might get to the point where you have more rigid boundaries. And then you also realize like, maybe I don't need them as much. Cause I've, I've cultivated this, this stronger sense of self-trust. I, my, my animal self, my child self knows that the adult self has got the reins and is cool and is going to take care of me, you know? Yeah. And then from that point, we can also claim our voice a little bit more, right? Like we're building our self-trust our boundaries feel um, supporting, but not rigid. And now we're like, okay, I'm also able and ready to share a little bit more in that sense through Mm -hmm. my voice and through like that ground, you know, groundedness that I feel that I have. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So those are good tips for people. It always feels like it comes always back down to get to know yourself. And then from there, the next steps comes, you know, in so many conversation I have, it's like, you have to start with self-knowledge. You have to start with self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's really important because it, it like, especially in today's day and age, like we're, we have so much input from the outside world reflecting at what we should be that we haven't, so many of us haven't had, you know, a deep immersion into a sense of community and family and tribe that's very native to the human experience. Mm-hmm. And um And so, and in those contexts, in a real community context, in a tribal context, like you don't have this sense of questioning who you are because you have like felt that and experienced that our whole time. And now it's sort of like social media has become this like pseudo reflection of tribe. And so we get all these little imprints of like, well, I should be this. And like, I want to be this. And like, well, this influencer that I liked was like this. And I'm going to kind of adopt that belief. And, you know, never ending now. Yeah, it really is. And so we just haven't really, um, I think there's a lot of things that masquerade as self-knowledge in the current spiritual world that actually aren't the, the deeper work of like, wow, this is, this is myself. This is, this is who I am. Um, and so like, I think in the, in the spiritual world too, like we, we, spiritually materialize and we're like, Oh, I want to be this spiritual self. So that means I'm going to, I journal and I do yoga. And I like, I have these different contexts of what it means to be a spiritual person. Like, fuck, maybe you're not that, you know, like let yourself be what you are. I think one of the, my favorite quotes, um, is from Mary Oliver. Um, you just have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Mm-hmm. And like, we really, like start there, you know, what is the soft animal of your body love? That sounds like like, acceptance to me. Yeah. Like start with like self-knowledge, I think comes with self-acceptance and self and and self-clear seeing and like, and tuning into those little 
those little impulses, those little desires and learning to let them, like once you start to tune into them and honor them, then they start to get a little bit bigger. And then it starts to get a little bit more clear exactly. what this self is and what it wants. And then you start to get really intimate and like free in its expression. And like, you, you know, you start small and then you can get bigger and bigger. And then, um, and then from there, I think you can really take off and do a lot because of because that gives you information also on your true value not the things you think you're supposed to value but the things you actually do value it gives you information on your purpose like what it is you actually want or are meant to be if you believe in dharma versus what you think you should be or you know you've learned that was a good path or whatever is your situation you know so all that self-knowledge boiled down to really understanding, accepting, trusting that information and who we truly are at our core then allows you to really have that centered, grounded. When someone tells you like, you are this, you're like, I will take this in consideration, but I'm pretty sure that's not the case because you're so clear. <laughs> It's like, thank yeah, you for the feedback. Exactly. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I, and I had a uh, somebody that I worked with that would talk about like, look at like, what's the 1% that's true about like, if somebody, if I say to you, you're this, you know, like, and I think, you know, racism in this current context is a really useful pattern for that. Like you could point mm -hmm. to me and say, like, you're a racist. And I can be like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But like, if I just sit there and be like, okay, what's the 1% of that? That's yeah. true. You know, like, and just start there and be like, okay, I'll take the that one feedback. bias. Yeah. And it exactly. might be 1%, you know, there might be a 1%. And then, and then though, like, if you have a strong sense of self, you're not crushed by an accusation that doesn't fully meet you. because you're like, well, thanks for the feedback. Oh, you're right. I still am holding on to this bias. You know, I'm still holding on or this, you know, whatever, like you'll have, you'll have some example. And then you you have grown and expanded in that reflection and you didn't lose your center either. Cause you're like, I know, I know myself, I know I'm doing my work or, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever the context is. Um, and it and, allows us to be okay, not to be perfect. Yeah. And not have exactly. those expectations on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I think that, that, that idea of perfectionism or some like ideal that we need to uphold is a little bit of this pseudo self-knowledge. We're like, well, I need to uphold this thing. And that's really kind of the ego putting up a front being like, I'm not going to look at, you know, all like whatever else might be in there. Um, and, and I so, think if you really yeah. want growth, whether it's spiritual or in any aspects of your life, you have to be willing to look at that 1%. And yeah. you did that in the beginning of our interview today. Like, obviously we were not knowing we were going there, but you made an example of this where you explained the situation with the cult and right away you said, and I had issues with my discernment at that point, you know, like you right away were able, I mean, maybe it took you time and, you know, work to figure that out. But in the context of telling the story, even there, you were able to take that 1% and be like, okay, well, this is also on me, but this is the whole, I'm part of the whole story. And yeah. so it's not, a, it's not only blame and shame. It's, you know, yeah. responsibility and understanding that I am on my path and that I'm learning yeah. from this. Yeah. I showed up for that context. You know, I was, I was fully there and, you know, I, it's abusive contexts are very complicated in terms of consent and self-empowerment and, you know, all of, all of these aspects. But, um, I, I definitely, I feel more empowered holding my own experience of like, well, 
why didn't I just leave when it felt traumatic? Like I didn't. Okay. So what was going on there and what can I learn from that? And, you know, like nobody was actually holding me at gunpoint. Like there's a lot of different layers of complications and group dynamics and all of that. But at the end of the day, I could have been like, you can't fucking treat me like that. I'm, this is not cool. I'm leaving, you know, like I'll find good spiritual juju somewhere else. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you know, I think our, our experiences are there to, to teach us and to give us parts of ourselves that we are needing to heal and open and develop. And, yeah. um, from that perspective, I'm, I'm grateful for the experience, though I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Anything else you want to add before we finish? If there's one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with today, what would that be? Hmm. Yeah, I think just to kind of sum, sum things up a little bit, um, this, this starting with self-acceptance and self-understanding, I think acceptance and understanding really are two wings of the bird that help with self-knowledge um, and help to, to build that strong sense of a centered self. And um yeah. Don't be afraid of the darkness. Um, there's a lot of wisdom there. There really is. And, uh, the, I, I think that sometimes, you know, again, coming back to like, especially in today's day and age, and we're sort of putting out all of our pretty stuff, or then there's kind of like vulnerability and authenticity porn where like, you know, people are sharing maybe, maybe a lot. And I think sometimes it, it allows us to think we're doing all the work and not looking in, in the really hard stuff. Um, and I have, uh, been blessed with plenty of opportunities to go pretty, pretty deep, um, on some pretty hard stuff myself and have found that, uh, that, you know, from, from the Hindu perspective, like that's, that's Kali giving you wisdom, you know, like if that's, that is, an opportunity, a blessed opportunity to for self-understanding. And I think when we go into those dark corners of ourself, um, that's some of where we really build that strong sense of center. Cause we're like, I've been to the depths. I know what this is. I know what this sense of self is. Um, and then from there you can start to open it up and expand it. Awesome. And Wow. Uh, anything else? Um, I'll put your info in the show notes for sure for people to find you. But in the meantime, what's the best place for people to chat you up or learn about everything else you're doing as well? If they want to, you know, hear about the alternative coffees and all the other things, uh, where's the best place for people to find you? Uh, yeah. So um, we are at wearerasta.com. And I believe my team, I know my team made a discount code for listeners. If you want to give Rasta a try, um, awesome. just you. use the code on off for 20% off. And, um, and then we're at we are Rasa on Facebook and Instagram. And then I'm like not super active on my own Instagram, but I am a little bit there and I'm at Lopa loves you. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you for your time today. That was a very interesting conversation. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you listen. Come and connect with us on Instagram at on and off your mat podcast. Screenshot you listening to this episode and your takeaways. And visit withribbon.com slash you slash Erica Belanger to become a premium member and get your hands on all our exclusive content, including our class library. Check out the show notes to find more info about our guests of today, Lopa Vanden Merch, or my top five biggest takeaways from this episode. 
Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast and their support in making this possible. And that includes all our members. Once again, thank you for listening in. Until next time.